Welcome to Explain to Shane. I'm your host, Shane Tews at the American Enterprise Institute. On this podcast, I interview tech industry experts to explain how the apps, services, and structures of today's information technology system work and how they shape our social and economic life. Electromagnetic spectrum waves are what enable much of today's modern technology. Spectrum is divided into different frequency bands, and each band has a specific allocation that demand on spectrum have increased significantly due to the innovation and ingenuity of wireless technology. Spectrum is what connects our mobile devices and what keeps the Internet of Things running without the need for wires. With the explosion of technologies requiring the use of radio spectrum, spectrum managers are looking for ways to increase spectrum availability for broadband uses and maintain these critical services. But we have a domestic imbalance in the spectrum use in the United States compared to the rest of the world. However, the U.S. leads all countries in making mid-band spectrum available for unlicensed use and will continue to be the global leader in five years, which includes the key 3.3 megahertz to 4.3 megahertz range, which is critical for global harmonization of 5G. The commercial wireless industry will need additional spectrum to ensure that 5G reaches its full potential, but these projected spectrum imbalances could hinder the ability of the wireless networks to keep up with projected growth and increased demand. My guest today is Roger Entner. Roger is the founder of Recon Analytics, where he focused on mobile service providers' business models and their regulatory environment they have to manage to keep up with the voracious demand for wireless connectivity. Before founding Recon Analytics in 2011, Roger was the senior vice president and head of research and insight for the telecom practice at the Nielsen Company. Over the years, Roger has helped me and many others understand the challenges faced by the wireless industry and the importance of allocating licensed spectrum for 5G to reach its full potential. Roger was my inaugural guest on this podcast in 2020, where he explained how the wireless industry helped consumers stay connected when the world moved to a virtual existence and clung to our digital devices during COVID. It's another good episode you should check out. Roger, welcome back to Explain to Shane. You were my first guest in 2020, and we talked about spectrum. And we're back here today to talk about spectrum. And one of the reasons we're doing that is because other than you and I and some outsiders, they have not been talking about Spectrum in Congress or this current administration, which is a bit of a problem. So let me just uh, give you some data points here that were surprising to me. Far from being the first mover on Spectrum, the U.S. is 378 megahertz behind other countries on making mid-band Spectrum available, which is really important for 5G. In the next five years, China will have 1,600 megahertz of licensed spectrum, or the U.S. one of 450 megahertz. And we have nothing that is currently in a pipeline to speak of. And the U.S. is also projected to have 518 megahertz behind our global leaders um, in the next five years without any action plan. So that's what we want to talk about today. And the other thing we're going to throw in here is there's always this challenge between licensed and unlicensed spectrum. And I think one thing I was not familiar with till I was researching this is that once we unlicense it, it's really hard to get back, if even plausible. So let's just start with how are we doing on this and, and where do you think we should start in our spectrum challenge? Well, the problem with American spectrum policy is it's a story of stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. And every time we, 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 we're executing, we do really, really well. And then we declare victory over uh, our spectrum needs. And then people are using more spectrum, right? Um, 
like I wrote a, a piece for CTIA uh, quite a few years ago about the um, race to 5G. And, and the CTI really picked up the baton and uh, we licensed uh, a ton of spectrum, especially in the millimeter wave, followed by uh, spectrum in, uh, in, in C-band and in 3.45, and, and, but we dropped the ball, right? And uh, this is like a yo-yo diet, right? And, and uh, we have to get back to, to licensing spectrum ideally in sync with the rest of the world because we don't want to have the same experiences that we had in the past where we have an insular American solution and then we have only a few devices that are expensive and we don't have the whole global ecosphere and pricing power behind us. And so the U.S. has been been very negligent in, in that aspect and we've come late and we've done uh, solutions where that nobody else has done. For example, in the in the six gigahertz band, uh, which has been unlicensed. Um, do we need more licensed spectrum? Yes. Do we need more unlicensed spectrum? Absolutely. But we should do this in a in an internationally harmonized way. And this means now for us, since we are late to the game, as other countries have have moved ahead and have licensed a lot of the spectrum, uh, we need to catch up. So let's talk about the players. When you say the the ball was dropped, I think there's always a challenge I feel in here, here in Washington where we are so attached to our digital devices, especially our mobile devices, yet there's very little understanding of how much policy it takes to make the markets be as effective and, and as innovative as they are. It's, they think it's magic, right? It just all happens. So who all needs to be engaged in this and, and how do we get ahead of the ball instead of dropping the ball? Well, it's a lot of hard work. Like everything that looks easy, it's actually a lot of hard work, a lot of moving parts. So on the, on the regulatory side, you have uh, the FCC, you have NTIA uh, from a regulatory perspective. You have uh, state, local, and federal users. And federal users, particularly the Department of Defense, uh, have a, a lot of spectrum. And then you have Capitol Hill, House and Senate, that uh, are the ones that are deciding with coordination with the White House based on the recommendations from NTIA and FCC, what spectrum should be uh, allocated to who, when, and how. And the more political will there's uh, expended, the faster it goes. And right now it doesn't go anywhere, right? Um, To the great credit of FCC and NTIA, they announced a task force, uh, to identify new spectrum, but the expectation is that this will come to a conclusion like 10 to 15 years. Whereas, you know, we need spectrum in four to five years. You know, CTI just put out uh, recently a paper by Brattle uh, that uh, says that our internal calculations, we do a lot of calculations around that, 
show roughly the same time frame that uh, we have problems around that uh, that time frame if we're continuing to use spectrum uh, not only for wireless but also for fixed wireless perspective um, so we desperately need to get behind the ball and come to a consensus of what spectrum needs to be allocated when and 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 then go with it right and right now there's no go with it so two things that come to mind one was a little over a year ago we had the FAA um, spectrum kerfuffle which was just we had one entity that just thought basically the aviation industry which I, I love to fly I, you know I appreciate all of the what they do for you know the, the economy however no one was really paying attention even though they they had been signaling we were looking at this space we're going to reconfigure one of my favorite phrases asset recycling wow. And they just um, they decided to go to the to almost run the clock out when we were moving things for getting our five G act together. Well, th- that whole situation with the FAA was a c- complete disaster, right? Um, when the first rules came about uh, around C band, Boeing, the largest airplane manufacturer in the United States, if not the world, right, said we need 100 megahertz of guard band between where the wireless industry is uh, active and the altimeters, right? And the FCC said, like, no Boeing, no airline industry, you're not getting 100 megahertz guard band. You're getting 200 megahertz guard band, because we want to be extra careful that these planes don't get impacted. So we give you twice as much as anybody else. Uh, anybody else and that, then what you want. And by the way, in Europe, they're getting 100. And in Japan, they're getting no guard band. But here we are really for safety, so we give you 200. Then Spectrum gets auctioned. All of these things go about. And then the airline co- airline industry comes out and says like, oh, no, planes will fly, fly from the, the sky and, and, and crash and everything because there's interference. And everybody was like, what? Your planes are flying to Europe, to Japan. None of them are crashing. What are you talking about? And... Well, but here are these planes and that planes. Yeah, but that's why we gave you twice the spectrum that you wanted, right? No, 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 no. We need to do it. And so around airports, which are where we need a lot of capacity because people who are traveling, right, use mobile devices to keep in touch with their loved ones, to do business on the go, everything, right? Um, they couldn't launch, and then only with conditions. And even now, they finally agreed them agreed with the telecom industry that there's a plan until 2028 of how to, to ease that in. Um, but what, what has blown me away the most is that the expert agency on spectrum and interference and all of that Apparently, is not the F- FCC, but the FAA. 
Uh, You're saying de facto, not de, 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 facto. Yeah, de facto, right? Yeah. So I don't understand how the FCC let another agency basically take take away the 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 jelly from the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and and run away with it, right? I, so you're getting to a, another bigger challenge we have. That's that's a pretty big one. Is this interagency process when it comes to spectrum allocation just continues to not be? We have a whole group of people that just don't think they have to come to the table. Yeah, and it's missing somebody that is banging heads together and said like we're going to do this. Because until then, everybody is playing in their own corner of the, the sandbox and is not sharing with anybody else. And in the middle of the sandbox is the American consumer who will who is suffering for it. Because the reality is we're using more and more data. Year after year, that's going up by 30%. And wireless, like everything else, and spectrum, like everything else, is a limited resource. Uh, yes, you can improve capacity by splitting cell sites, but it's a lot harder to split cell sites than to make cells bigger. Because one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that under 4G and 5G, every cell site that sees another cell site is an interferer. And when there's interference, spectrum utilization goes down. And the closer the cell sites are together, the more interferer they see, right? And so that's why the argument of, oh, why don't they just split cell sites doesn't work. Because it's like uh, people in a ball, I always compare it to people in a ballroom that are talking to each other. And as the volume, as more and more people go into that ballroom, the closer even if, you have to get to each other, you're like, yeah, but also, away. <laughs> and they start talking louder because there's more and more interference. And in the end, everybody screams at each other and nobody hears anything. Right. Right. And, and so wireless networks are very similar to that. And so that's why cell site splitting is only one part of the equation up to a certain point. And after that, you either get more spectrum or speeds go down. I don't think American consumers want their speeds go down. No, right? we, and, and the one thing I always say, you know, 5G, we want it to be about, we want everything to be about us as humans, but it's really about the machines and the machines doing amazing things that we do get a benefit from with all the innovation. But so from early on when you were talking about the need for 5G and, and Spectrum, on the path that you wished us to be on, how far off of that path are we? We are significantly off. And, and the thing is, the, the, the machine part of 5G hasn't really arrived yet, right? The, um, that's the big, big problem here is that, that part of that, that promise that 5G brings hasn't been realized yet because it hasn't come together yet. This is all still personal communications and a lot of it is largely driven by video because people like to watch video on the go and that uses a lot of data. And the promise of 5G saying that you can have a surveillance camera that's actually in, five, in, in 4K where you can actually recognize people on it rather than these blotchy uh, VHS type uh, video 
camera tape things where where you can say okay it's a person um you know it's it's just not enough and so uh for the promise of 5G to come through we need a lot more spectrum the other part that i always appreciate the education on is that how the markets respond to this because where we're fuddling around with interagency processes and agencies in in congress the the market gets frustrated by all this because we we need to have some sort of reality check as to what what's available what's coming on board are they going to take their money and they're going to go do something else well the market yet hasn't really reacted to that because the cliff we're going to fall over is in four to five years. And Wall Street says they're thinking that far ahead, but not really, right? So uh, they're concerned about next quarter and the quarter thereafter. And uh, But it certainly doesn't help um, the, the general love that the telecom sector gets from Wall Street that... Uh, capacities are constrained and, and will become more constrained um, uh, because we're also running in this huge battle between um, you know the telecom providers and the cable providers. Cable providers are starting to provide uh, wireless services and are very successful with it. And telecom providers are not only providing uh, increasingly fiber, but also fixed wireless uh, services. And I would expect that almost all the growth this quarter, like last quarter, in broadband will come from fixed wireless. And that means wireless, right? Not fixed, it's it's a wireless service, which needs wireless spectrum. So um, if... If regulators and, and and people on the Hill want uh, fixed wireless to be a an additional competitors to the existing, you know, fixed providers, then they need more spectrum. If they are okay with the status quo or just want to go with fiber, then then the need for, for spectrum is still there, but it's less, right? Yeah, that, that's been a big question with all this money we're spending on broadband across America is this particular administration is really interested in as, laying as much fiber as possible, which, you know, fiber is fantastic. It's, it's wonderful, but it doesn't go everywhere you need it to go. It's hard to get some places. You know, people that have listened to my podcast know I talk about being originally from Nebraska and having a lot of friends and family in Colorado and getting, you know, getting fiber through the mountains is, is tough. Well, you know, the average fiber mile costs thirty dollars to $50,000. Um, if that farm is only one mile off the, 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 the mid-haul, uh, that's a $50,000 bill, right? 50000 and the customer's paying $50, right? The payback is 1,000 months, Right, that's eighty years. So, the the great grandparent, uh, the great grandchildren of whoever lives there now, if they will continue to live there in eighty years' time, will have amortized the investment that we have made. So, 
Uh, is it the best technical solution out there? Yes. Is it the most cost-effective one? Not really. For example, Verizon bought 200 megahertz in, in the Midwest in most rural states. With 200 megahertz of fixed wireless, dedicated to fixed wireless, uh, with low population density, you can provide gigabit uh, wireless service, probably even two, right? Uh, speeds that you can do today with, it's, it's like top-line fiber, right? That's what you can do wirelessly at a lower cost structure because they use the same antennas that they use for a regular mobile service to, to cover the same fixed wireless service. And so it's a it's a two for one, right? So, but it's all about decisions, right? Yes, we we're all trying to monitor. I was mentioning somebody that you know we heard so much about this last year, and then I feel like we're in a little bit of a quiet period, and that's because we're waiting for the June thirtieth reports from the states to come in from Bead. But no one talks about the Treasury Department. The Treasury Department's got this huge tranche of money, um, and they're spending it almost parallel to on the same issues that they're doing over at, at NTIA which I find fascinating, as well as the, we've got USAC, we have, you know, RUS issues that we go on. off. Yes, you, exa- you, and then having to layer all those on and make sure that you're in the right application element for a lot of that. Um, so are, you are, I know, doing some, you're, you're doing some survey and monitoring about this. Any, any thoughts out there for the, the kids who are putting their plans together? Well, there's not just beads, right? There, there's probably almost as much money out there from different uh, sources. And uh, fiber is a great foundational technology, and we should use it. Um, but Beats is not the only uh, part to go around. And we should look at it from a technology agnostic perspective. Uh, there are solutions where fiber is great. There are solutions where uh, you know cable with DOCSIS 4 is great, um, you know, we always talk about fiber build-outs, but um, both Charter and Comcast are building out millions of locations uh, every year. It's not just fiber that's building out. And and then we have wireless. And, and so for all of the technologies, there is a, a, a solution, and, and there should be a funding source for it. How do you feel about satellite? Happy, sad? I heard that uh, this morning that one of the um, part of the constellation for Elon Musk uh, got held up. Well, satellite has has a lot of promise, right? It's by def- default it's a a global solution. I think, um, you know, it has a also, but it also has a lot of problems because these satellites are up. 200, 300 miles uh, in space, and they will come down, right? So you have to replenish them over and over and over again. You need, depending on how much capacity you want and need, you need thousands of them, right? But they have the opportunity to go to places where even wireless doesn't make a sense, right? The problem is like, in 95% of the places where people are, we have other ways of doing it cheaper, more effectively, and, and frankly better. But there are 
small percentages of people where this is the best solution. If we're willing to put billions of dollars up in, in the sky, Elon Musk is putting his money where his and and some loans from the federal government uh, have, have put it. Uh, so we'll see. But um, I think where I am excited about is uh, the satellite usage to eliminate dead spots, and especially then for first responders, uh, where, you know, we have wildfires in national parks, and rightfully we don't have coverage there because you don't necessarily want to put a cell site out in the middle of, of pristine uh, nature, right? You, you, for that, satellite is awesome, right? So I'm, I'm going to forget who exactly did it, but at CES they, they took a whole group of, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, they took a whole group of reporters out to the middle of nowhere to show that you can hit basically a 911 button and let people know that you're okay. Like it, it, it brings satellite into the prospect, even if it isn't something that is a, a regular service that you pay for. But I would think even further, not just uh, like with what we you can do with Apple today where you can push a button and 20 mi- minutes later uh, your text message arrives at the public surf- service answering point. Not just a call to 911, but videos. Because these firefighters in um, in, in 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 the West, uh, these guys are jumping into uh, into fire hotspots. They need to be able to show their command and control of how does this re- actually look like on the ground. So my my vision of this is that it will be not for millions of people, but for tens or hundreds of people in the middle of nowhere, full video service that that these people can do a much better job than what they're doing now, and they're doing a heroic job as it is. It's, it's amazing technology. It's really cool just to have it available. So circling back to our initial conversation, we have World Radio Conference coming up, and we do need to work on harmonization. So any thoughts to our, our people that are going to be getting on airplanes and going faraway places to talk about Spectrum, top priorities? Well, right now we're catching up, right? We, we have to see where others have, have put the incentive. But uh, we need to put a – we should have put a plan together a while ago, right, to, to set the agenda, to, to have a global leadership position and not a global catch-up position. So I think right now it's a little bit – too late, and and uh, we need to be able to get more spectrum and globally harmonized bands uh, that w- we already allocated in the U.S. or think about allocating in the U.S. and and just like have it as a global band uh, that in, uh, allow us then to to have that global supply chain, global uh, products, and and global price points. I know we used to do a lot more of this earlier, I'm thinking early 2000s, where we'd have actually industry in the room. Do we need to get back to that? I feel like we pushed Absolutely. them out of the room, which was part of the problem. We, we need we need industry in the room. We need uh, the regulators. We need uh, the legislative. We need the executive. We need um, We need the federal government 
state, local, all in, in the place because there's room for better services more cheaply paid for by the wireless industry, right? Um, and and so I think uh, it should be viewed as an opportunity, not that uh, all the current spectrum owners are losing something, but they're getting new, more powerful equipment paid for by by the wireless industry. And I think one of the things that we should do uh, is like tie the uh, the auction revenue from the wireless industry to benefit the people who are actually giving it up. Because if it goes into the general uh, funds of the treasury, it disappears and there's no incentive for somebody to be a constructive player, right? It's like, oh, I'm giving you, a, I'm giving up spectrum here and there. And then I have to go around with a beggar bowl and, and, and ask for money. And why do I get punished for being a good, good player? Well, let's hope that they get, they use this moment in time to do a quick catch up because it's very important, especially to all of us who love our mobile devices. Absolutely. And being in communication. Roger, thank you for being a guest today again on Explain to Shane. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for listening to another episode of Explain to Shane. For more episodes, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred listening platform. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in. We'll see you on the next episode of Explain to Shane. Explain to Shane.